0: Five, four, three, two, one. We are back. When I say we are back, I mean I am back. The Meltdown Show, back at you. Podcast number two. Top of conversation. Let's jump right into it. College basketball. It's getting to be that time of year. March madness. The madness is already kind of beginning. Smaller conferences are already having their tournaments they're starting to get into quarters and semifinals where you start seeing buzzer beaters in these small schools. You didn't really know where even schools are starting to put it together. Starting to get ready for their run at glory. What I mean my glory is usually a 16 seed getting eliminated by 35 points on opening weekend. But that's neither here nor there. Also, with the bracketology going to be filled out here this, this, following, this next Sunday coming up, college basketball has some pretty breaking news today. And it's not really that great. Coming out of the, the college basketball ranks, uh, three Adidas-affiliated, one an executive, two just, I don't know, what do we call these guys? Bagmen, basically. Uh, we're indicted today and sentenced to jail time, actual jail time. I think the executive got nine months and the two bagmen both got six months, which doesn't seem like a lot of time, but for you know just trying to sway a 18-year-old kid to come play for a school, it seems kind of crazy, but... If you read some of the stories, it sounds like somebody should be going to jail. It sounds like someone's trying to take advantage of these young kids. We always have the, you always hear the arguments online on Twitter and Facebook. Speaking of Twitter, follow me at the Meltdown Show on Twitter. But you follow these stories online, and people always say these players should be paid. These players should be paid. Well, apparently, after reading the articles I've read today, they are being paid handsomely. So that's that's not an argument for uh, for this show. But you know, it seems to be that you know. With it being uh, Adidas being the the shoe uh, company in the spotlight right now, there's three schools that keep popping up: Kansas and Bill Self, NC State, and whoever their coach is now, and Louisville. Louisville stays in trouble. They've been in trouble for years, it seems like. From Rick Patino having a, you know his fun in a restaurant to Rick Patino being you know subpoenaed, but you know Rick Patino leaving college basketball and going to coach a Greek team. Uh, he was very upset today, apparently, when they were reading off the sentencing for the three individuals from uh, the shoe company, uh, that, he, that the judge actually mentioned Mr. Patino by name, which I'm pretty sure is a no-no since he hasn't been subpoenaed. And actually, for, if you listen to Wiretaps and whatnot, all the research I've been able to find, that these coaches apparently had no idea any of this was going on, so they say. But if you didn't know what was going on, why did you keep these guys around so much? There's a lot of questions that really need to be answered, and I don't think we're going to get to it now. One thing that will get cleared up is once this sentencing's done, then the NCAA, you know them, always on the job, and they do a great job during during investigations. They're really good at it. <laughs> no, they're not. They're terrible at it. So, But they now have the opportunity to open up investigations into these said schools. So Bill Self... Even Patino, even though he's not in college, can still be investigated. The school will definitely be investigated. Again, it seems like Louisville's being investigated every other weekend. But what does that mean for for college basketball? Well, the tournament will go on. Teams will get in. There'll be excitement. Everybody will watch. People will gamble like crazy on it. It's 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 a fun time. And college basketball does have a lot of bright spots. But college basketball as a whole seems to be capturing some of this shadiness, and it's probably gone on for years from the AAU rackets someone I I officiate AAU basketball and high school basketball so I get to see a lot of these young kids grow up and I've never you know officiated anybody of these caliber of players but you know you see these guys come through the system and you see them start playing on TV at 15 16 years old my god Zion Williams has been on YouTube for the last four years it seems like granted he's a freak of nature size wise athleticism we don't usually see that but maybe like a once a decade kinda of guy But how much has he been impacted from the outside? I mean, I'm not accusing anyone of anything. Duke is an upstanding educational school, and Coach K's been there forever, and he probably doesn't have to say much to get you to come there. I mean, the recruiting pitch for Zion was probably easy. Hey, listen here, Zion. We have the number one rated player and the number three rated player in the draft, in the the selection class. How would you like to be number two? That way we'll have one, two, and three. And by the way, if we're lucky, we'll get four. It's a pretty easy pit sell there. You know, North Carolina has had their ups and downs with with academic fraud and whatnot, but college basketball as a whole seems to be going in the right direction. I think think they're going to probably get away with the one-and-done rules. These guys who don't really want to go to college, don't risk injury, Everything's kind of being filtered back towards the player. The NBA already does that now with their no defense rule. I'm sorry, you can play defense, but the second you touch somebody, it's a foul. It's a wide open game now. It's all—it's getting to the borderline unwatchable. College basketball, at least, you still see mashups. You still see defense. You still see teams really, really trying their very best. With all of this, you know, indecision and all of this, you know, he said, she said, and and coaches knew this and coaches knew that. This is what it comes down to. If you've been in this spotlight before, which Rick has, I mean... And Coach Cal has. You know, you've been in these, you know, investigative. When Cal, Calipari was at Memphis, you know, the Derrick Rose investigation went on. You know, did he take his ACT himself? You know, did he hire a, a sibling? This stuff goes on. I, I think it's very minor. But it does go on, and it just kind of feeds to what's most important, and it's winning. Whenever the NCAA gets, hears about these indictments, they say, well, you don't always, there's not always facts and truth. That's what Mark Emmert said today. He is a buffoon. He's been a buffoon for years, and the fact that he still gets to run the NCAA is a travesty. No wonder items like this goes on. Now, I'm not looking for these kids to get slammed at all. They've been swayed by, by money. It happens. You know, the schools and the adults in the situation should probably reap most of the buffin. But I just want to say one thing to, to coaches out there, and especially one in particular who's coaching in Turkey tonight. No one believes you. Um, for you to have that much corruption going on in your program and for you to know absolutely nothing is still on you. That is something that cannot happen, and that's what the NCAA and their inept ways are trying to enforce. Watch your program. Watch your kids. Don't be shady. And they and they, it's just the way they are. They, uh, Some of these coaches, I mean, it, it's creepy to watch. I have the very fortunate... Uh, luck of living here in Southwest Florida. Every Christmas we have a a high school basketball tournament called the City of Palms. And we get to see a lot of these high-profile coaches. Most of them, great guys. They come in, they talk to people, they sign autographs, they take pictures with kids. They're great human beings, you know. And there's other ones that come in, they don't say anything to anybody, they have a scowl on their face, they whisper to a couple people, and then they're gone. You know, and you you can visually see, you know, how people probably behave in their real lives. Although on TV they're always very positive. We played well, blah blah blah. You get all the coach speak. But what's actually going on behind the behind the uh, behind the scenes? In some schools, it, it should be a shame anyway. I don't think there should be a cap on recruiting. But what does Kentucky basketball play for recruiting? Oh my God, they have private jets. You know they fly these kids around. Why would you not want to go play at Kentucky? You know, but is that fair to Murray State or let's say a smaller school, Clemson? You know, I'm sure Clemson does it for football. So, I, I think there's a lot of things that the NCAA could really, really look into. But I also think that it kind of is the way it is because of, you know, outside forces. And hopefully this situation will clean up this outside force. Moving to a little bit more positive with college basketball. Today, Jim Beham, head coach of the Syracuse Orange, was uh, cleared of all wrongdoing in the automotive accident. You didn't hear it. He was uh, traveling after a game a couple weeks back, and uh, a guy, a disabled motorist, was in the road, and Coach Beham's car struck the. pedestrian and the gentleman died. It's gotta be that's gotta be a rough night. You know, you have a you win a big game or lose a big game. I can't remember if they won or lose, you go on the road to go home and you accidentally kill someone. That's gotta be devastating. He was right back on the bench the very next game. A lot of people said he probably should take time. I think it just shows his commitment to his team. Uh, very unfortunate accident. Uh, prayers to the family of the the gentleman that died. But uh good for Coach Behum to be cleared of these um, of any charges, which I don't think he should have been charged anyway let's move on to basketball i mentioned it the brackets are getting ready to be filled out in a week who's not excited i am extremely excited but let's do a little bracketology let's do a little who's in who's out okay i mentioned kansas earlier being the shady basketball program that is listed in this indictment of for uh, adidas and the ncaa but something else also happened this season This is the first time in 14 years that they didn't win a share of the Big 12. Let that sink in. The last time they didn't win the Big 12 regular season, or at least a share of it, Chris Paul was a freshman at Wake Forest. George W. Bush was in his first term as president. So it's been a minute. Now granted, Kansas has had some horrific injuries and well, here's another thing: at a player who is ineligible. That's air quotes. Just in case you didn't know, uh, Mr. D'Souza was unable, to, ineligible to play this year. He will probably leap right to the NBA. Zabuke, their big man for Kansas, injured very, very early into the season. I think when Tennessee played him early this year, it was his last game, actually. I think he only played half of that game, if, if my memory suits me, which I'm not 100% sure. So he's been gone. They lost another player. Now, Kansas is going to be a three seed in the tournament. They're a great basketball program. Coach Self has been there for years. I know he's in a little bit of heat right now with all this going on, but he's not the only coach. So he, he's gonna to have to really put that behind him and really try to get this team playing well. Kansas is a dangerous team. Anytime you see Kansas on your bracket line, you know it's gonna be a very very long night. So with Coach Self struggling with that, let's just go conference by conference and see who's who's got going, who's gonna be in, who's gonna be out. Let's start with the ACC. The ACC is probably gonna get more teams than any other conference. I think if you look at projections and you read reports, they're probably going to get anywhere between seven and eight teams. And, you know, the no brainer's right out of the way Duke, lock. Virginia, lock. North Carolina, lock. And then it gets a little skeptical. You know, Syracuse, bubble. Louisville, hey, they're the other team in the indictment conversation. They're actually on the bubble. So with these teams like lurking out there, plus you have another, I think another team that's going to be in for them, Florida State, and also Virginia Tech, if they can, you know, stop losing, I think they'll be able to really help bolster that ACC um, resume for the for the college basketball tournament. Well, here's the thing: I only think two teams off this out of these teams for the ACC can win it. Virginia and Duke. I don't think any of these other teams have a chance. But they're going to get the teams in because, A, they're a very strong basketball conference, and, B, these teams are really well coached and are really good. SEC, or as I like to call it, the best conference in any sport in the land. Basketball here is very good. They have a projected to get between six and seven teams. It's a no-brainer right at the top. The best team in the SEC. I don't care what you say, and, yes, I'm a Tennessee fan, is the University of Tennessee Vols. They are the top team in this conference, but then you have teams right on their heels. You have Kentucky, who, by the way, if you look at projections, you know they're both tweening. It's a sliver of a percentage point of who is better in the conference. So it's a dead heat, but they're pretty much a dead heat. But teams you don't sleep on. Teams you do not sleep on. LSU. LSU is athletic. They're long. They play defend really well. And they're going to be a tough, tough out in the SEC tournament. So when it comes to tournament play, if you have LSU on your line, in that semifinal, it's going to be a long day. Tennessee played LSU down at LSU, lost a close one. LSU beat Kentucky on the controversial tip-in. LSU has talent. They're going to be there. A couple other schools for the SEC, Mississippi State. Tennessee played them the other night, beat them by 15. They're kind of an up-and-down team. You never know what you're quite going to get with them. Um, Auburn. Bruce Pearl, former Tennessee coach, has Auburn playing a little bit better. They've lost some games. They probably should have won this year. You never know what you're going to get with them. The SEC lower half is not really as good as the, as the upper half. That is that is blatantly true. Bubble teams, uh, Mississippi, Ole Miss, definitely. I don't know what you want to call them. Are they Blue Dogs or Bear, Beaver Cats or Whale Sharks? I don't know what their mascot is now. They have like 15 of them because, heaven forbid, an adult there make a decision. Also Bama on the bubble. I don't think Bama's going to get in. I don't think they have uh, I think they have really good players. They have Petty and a couple other younger players there, but I don't think they're going to have enough to make a run this year. Maybe look next year after another recruiting class and see if uh, they can get Alabama into a little bit better position. A team I think that's on the outside looking in the SEC is Florida. They they have talent. They have not been able to put together. They have not been able to uh, win a big game this year. They've actually been beaten pretty handily. LSU took them down, Kentucky, Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee swept them. I think Kentucky swept them. I mean, so they've had a really, really, really tough year. I, I think moving forward, I think Florida's waiting for next year to kind of build their processes. Big Ten. Now, this is what I hear on social media, Twitter. Like I said, once again, if you're on the Twitter machine, follow me at The Meltdown Show. Here we go. Big Ten teams looking to get up probably about five or six teams in. You know, most of you're going to hear it, see it now once I mentioned this on Twitter later. Oh, they're going to get at least ten teams because it's the best conference in basketball. It's not the best conference in basketball at all. Big Ten, top of the Big Ten. Everyone knows it. Michigan State. Sparty, back where they belong at the top of the conference. But hey, right behind them, rival, Michigan. Michigan is a very well-coached team. They shoot the ball effectively well. They're going to be a very, very tough out in that Big Ten tournament. Then you come down to the line, you have Purdue. Purdue just plays basketball. They are not overly athletic. They have a one little good guard. A lot of size. They're just one of those teams that kind of grinds on you, shoots you, open, knocks down open shots, plays good defense. Nothing really jumps off the page about them, but they're going to be there in the NCAA tournament. Why? Because, A, they're well-coached. Matt Carpenter has a really good coaching staff there, and his players play for him. That's going to be very, very important. Maryland. Maryland next year is going to be awesome. You've heard it here first. I watched three of their recruits play at the City of Palms, which is a high school tournament we have here every Christmas. Watch them play over this last Christmas break. The three recruits they have going in there, two 6'11 twins and a 6'7 power forward, let me tell you something, they have talent coming in droves, plus the talent they're already there. I don't know if Maryland can get it done this time. I do think they're going to get into the NCAA tournament. I think they will be a handful for whoever gets to play them, but I don't think ultimately there will be a – a second-weekend team. I think they'll probably win their first game and they get bounced in their second. Wisconsin. What do we know about Wisconsin? A, they're all tall, they shoot the ball effectively well, and they're kind of slow. Well, they're back in the talk. Uh, they're back in the NCAA chatter. I've seen them play a handful of times this year. Once again, even when the years they've you know won championships, they don't look like they're going to do much. They have a couple good players inside. Big, tall 6'11 kid. Not a whole lot of excitement there. But, you know, moving forward, you know, you never know what to expect. Iowa's on the bubble. I think Iowa gets in. I know Iowa's coach is serving a two-game suspension for ripping officials as a basketball official. I appreciate the NCAA for finally doing something constructive. Also, when you talk mad crap, you should be suspended. So, that that's on that. Iowa, fun team. Um... Up and down the floor, you know, once again, nothing really jumps off the page about them. They're, they're a traditional Big Ten team. They play good defense and, you know, crash the boards, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's like talking about Ivy League basketball sometimes. You know, watch the back cut, yell Harvard, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's kind of what the Big Ten becomes to me when you watch it over and over. Bubble team for the Big Ten, Minnesota. I think they're on the outside looking in. I think they're going to need a lot of help. They're going to need some teams to uh, kind of falter down the, down the stretch. And I think that will happen. Now I mentioned Kansas not winning a share at least of the Big Twelve. Well let's look at the Big Twelve as a whole. You know, tops of the Big Twelve, Texas Tech. Who would have thought that? Bob is Bob Knight still there coaching? I don't think so. But you know, Texas Tech top of the conference, then followed quickly by guess who? Kansas. Kansas is a good basketball team. Kansas State, are right on their heels. This is a very competitive conference. These teams are really long. So it's going to be very, very competitive. Uh, I think the Big 12 teams are going to beat up beat up each other as they move into the NCAA tournament. Iowa State, I think Iowa State is kind of a fringe team. I do think they'll get in. They have a pretty good resume. But can they keep it together long enough to make a full run into the NCAA? Baylor, eh, on the outside. Oklahoma, definitely a bubble team. TCU, Texas, oh, there are way on the outside looking in. I think TCU may actually be I mean, Texas may actually be closer than TCU of getting in but once again these teams are going to need a hope and a prayer to get in and I think you're gonna need a lot of prayers for um, TCU or Texas to make it into the tournament. Now let's talk about the most innocuous conference in all of college basketball, the American Athletic Conference. That's right. Now full disclosure. I am a Tennessee fan. I was born and raised in the great city of Memphis, Tennessee. Now, with that being said, the AAC does have a team in its conference, and it is the University of Memphis. Well, if you look at the AAC conference, they're probably projected to get between three and four teams into the tournament, which is shocking. I only think they'll get three teams in. Those three teams are Houston. If you haven't watched Houston play this year, you're missing out. Samson has that team playing extremely well. They are very stingy defensively, and they are fun to watch another team you would think Bob Huggins is still there Cincinnati strong physical powerful basketball team I've watched them play a few times they get into these big foul battles they're very very physical with the ball they score a lot and they're going to be there at the probably in the conference championship game against Houston I would I would predict right now the third team I think that's in the NCAA tournament it's kind of a kind of a weird one it's the UCF Golden Knights now wait I said they're in the brackets That doesn't mean they're national champions automatically. I know the football team gets confused sometimes when you give them any sort of praise. They think automatically they are the best. And as we all know from watching them play in their bowl game last year, boy, does reality come back to bite you pretty quick. The AAC does have some fringe teams. I think Temple is their fringe team. I think they're on the outside looking in. And the other team I think has no chance of getting in this year is the University of Memphis Tigers. Here's a fun fact about the Tigers. I think they're going to be an NIT team. I think the future for this team in this conference, the University of Memphis Tigers' future, is probably the brightest. If you've not seen their projected recruiting class for next year, (gasps) sanctions! Sorry, got a cold. Uh, Yeah, they've recruited everybody who is eligible. So basically, if you are an 18-year-old male in the United States, or probably in any of the world, Penny Hardaway's been to your house. He's recruiting anyone and everyone. James Wiseman. If you've not seen this guy play, he's like eight foot tall. He's long. He's athletic. He shoots. Don't someone please do not tell him he's a point guard. Malcolm Dandridge, 6'8, power forward, is a man child. Uh Trendon Walford, who's on the fence, hasn't committed yet, but I have a funny feeling he's gonna be going to Memphis too. 6'9, 230 wing. I mean, the I mean they are accruing talent, plus the the recruiting class I had this year. You know, with the players they had coming back from the Toby Smith days. I can't say it. You know, so I think Memphis next year is going to be a team you're going to have to take stock in. I know in the great state for the Battle of Tennessee, uh, the University of Tennessee will be taking, watching very, very closely just to see how many years that Memphis will be on uh, violation or suspension for this recruiting class. I say this all in jokes as we move on. The Big East. Yes, the Big East is still a conference. And they actually have some teams in it you kind of heard of. But I think they're only going to get two teams in. Those two teams are Marquette, who needs to start winning. They've lost like three in a row. Marquette and the Villanova Wildcats. We all know what Villanova is. They're a good tournament team. you know. But I think this is a team where he's just trying to rebuild. I know he's got a good recruiting class coming in next year. So I think, I think Jay, Jay Wright's going to have that team firing on all cylinders again this year. I think they're a little down this year. The third team I think in, in the uh, Big East, was saying these teams schools of the Big East is kind of weird, is St. John's. I think they've done enough to get in. I think they will get in. They do have three teams on the bubble, which is probably more than any other conference. Creighton. Seton Hall the Pirates I think the Pirates are probably have a probably the last team out at this last team out at this point uh, from what I've been seeing from uh, Andy Capp and some other guys uh, that's kind of where we're at right now And Georgetown just lost by 30 last night so that does not bode well I think Georgetown is probably done even they would probably have to win the big East to even have a hope to get into the tournament unless the world falls apart in college basketball which could very well happen. The Pac-12, or as I like to refer to it, the irrelevant 12, because the Pac-12 basketball is really, really down. Because they only get they only projected to get two teams. It's easy: Washington and Arizona State. And then after that, good luck. You know, Oregon's a fringe team, and you know, Oregon State's. You know, I don't think it has a snowball's chance in hell of getting in. So, with that being said, I mean, where's Arizona? Where's UCLA? Where's USC? <laughs> Where are all these powerhouses in basketball? What happened? What happened to UCLA in basketball? Why are they not more relevant? Arizona, well, we mentioned earlier three schools that were in trouble for indictment. Arizona, you know, Sean Miller, good coach. He's probably under investigation now, also for something that happened last year. Kind of the same thing, illegal recruiting of players, you know, stuff like that. And uh, Coach Wade down in LSU is also, who has full support of the school, air quotes, which means, you know, if this turns bad at all, we're going to fire you. But like I said mentioned earlier, LSU is a really good team. They have some really good talent on that team, very young talent, and they have more talent coming in next year. So I think we try to keep the Wade coach around as long as possible just to see how it works out. Sean Miller's been out west for a while. He has the number one rated recruiting class currently coming in next year. So you're definitely going to keep him around. You know, sure, they break the rules, but you know what? By God, they can coach and they can recruit, which in college basketball is very, very important. But as of now, the Pac-12 is a dumpster fire. You know, Washington's a decent team. And Arizona State's a team that, you know, you don't want to play them any given night because you never know what team's going to show up. Bobby Hurley kind of has a very spastic, sporadic team, and that's just the way they play. Mountain West Conference basketball, boy, just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? But they have some really good teams. You know, they have Nevada. 27 and 3 beginning of the season they were ranked in the top 4 at one point till they came down to earth and lost a couple games back to back in Utah state you know, I haven't seen Utah State play all year. You know, you look at their record, they're 25-6. and six. That's a pretty respectable record. But they play in the Mountain West, which means it's a one-big league. So if you don't win the championship, guess what? You're probably not getting in. However, I think if Utah State beats Nevada in the championship game, I think they somehow sneak Nevada into the tournament as maybe a last war in. One of those type of things because Nevada has a really good team. They played a pretty decent schedule, and I think they can get in. Two other bubble teams. One at Fresno State at 21 and 9 and San Diego State at 20 and 11. These are pretty good conference records where you look at some other schools that are like, you know, 19 and 13 or, you know, 18 and 14, you know, and they're, you know, on bubbles. I mean, these these four schools have really good records. But here's always the question with that. Who have they played? You know, it's straight up my final four or four last four in bubble teams. This is my own projection. St. Mary Gales, they're going to have to beat Gonzaga to get in. That's the only thing. There's no way they're going to get in as a large. They have them in as a possible at large, but I just don't think they've had the resume. VCU, another team, scrappy, fun to watch. I don't think they're going to get in either. Davidson. Steph Curry don't play there anymore. I don't think anybody really cares. So they're going to have to definitely win the SoCon to get in. And Murray State. Murray State's very interesting for one very important reason. Jay Morant. If you have not seen Jay Morant play basketball, he's a human highlight reel. If you like watching Zion Williams clips on on YouTube, you will love to watch Jay Morant clips on the YouTube. He is a shot-blocking phenom. He's a point guard. He's athletic. He plays above the rim. He is fun to watch. Granted, he plays at Murray State. You know, hey, Popeye Jones played for Murray State. Don't you ever forget that. But, you know, I I think it's one of the teams that they want in the tournament because they want to see what he can do on that grand, grand stage. And I think I want to see that too. I think think with Jay Morant and some of these other, you know, high-profile players moving on to the next level, you know, it's something that you really want to start looking into. Um. and speaking of the next level let's talk about it we mentioned Jay Morant we mentioned Zion Williams let's talk about prospects you know the NCAA tournament will come it will go we'll play one shining moment we'll use our our uh, water, our water ladders to climb up and cut down the nets with our scissors and we'll all celebrate and joy as confetti falls on one team and the other team you know pretty much ceremoniously goes and has dinner You know, that's kind of what will happen. But, hey, let's talk about the players that are going to be moving on to the next level. Let's talk about those top prospects. You know, first and foremost, one of the players on everyone's mind, because we haven't seen him since he got hurt in the first North Carolina game, is Zion Williams. Is he okay? We don't know. It's been confirmed he's probably not going to play Saturday night against North Carolina. So this means you'll have a Duke Blue Devil who played all of 33 seconds against his rival North Carolina in college because there's no way in – hell that Zion Williams is coming back to Duke next year. There's zero possibility of that. No way whatsoever. He's a projected top two pick. He is gone. He's fun to watch if you have not seen him, which if you're listening to this podcast and you have not seen him, he is six foot six, two hundred and seventy-two pounds. Oh dear God, he's huge. But hey, he's got teammates on this team that are projected to be two and three in the same draft. Let's talk about shooting guard R.J. Barrett. I've watched R.J. Barrett, like I said, in high school. watching him play for three years down here. Let me tell you something. He is probably one of the most explosive players I've ever seen play here. And I've seen John Wall, Kevin Love, you know, Tariq Evans. I've seen some really, really talented players play here. R.J. Barrett's probably top of that list. He is a no-brainer one or two pick. If you ask me my humble opinion, and the Meltdown shows who they would pick if they were an NBA franchise, I would take RJ Barrett number 1 overall, and I'm not even kidding. I know some people are like wrecking their cars or throwing their hands up or t- calling me an ugly word. Guess what? That's my opinion. Number 3, this is where it gets a little dicey. I think the third best player pr- prospect in th- in this year's coming out to the NBA is Jay Moran of Murray State. He's explosive point guard. He's he's kind of like a Marbury back in the day, but I think he's more athletic. He gets the ball. He can pass it. He can shoot it. He likes to play defense. I think he's going to be a steal, especially for a team who's tanking. You know, pick a team that's tanking: the Spurs, the Suns, the Kings. It seems like three-fourths of the NBA is tanking. Jay Morant can make a team very, very good, very, very quickly. Another great player coming out, more than likely Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish is long. He can shoot it. Six foot eight, six foot nine wing prototypical NBA player now. Can dribble, can shoot, and actually helped lead this team since Zion's been out with R.J. Barrett. So they've actually seemed to, I actually think they play a little bit better with Zion on the bench. I'm not saying they're better without him. I'm just saying they're playing a little bit better since he's gone. A couple other players that you may not know of, or if you don't keep up with basketball very closely, Darius Garland point guard of Vanderbilt. Fun kid to watch, can really get to the basket. He could kind of take games over. He's that kind of athletic athleticism that you really look for at the next level. Another guy who is just fun to watch. This is DeAndre Hunter, Virginia. I've seen him play about six or seven times. A, if you haven't watched Virginia play basketball, they are fun to watch. They are athletic, they are strong, and they battle, battle, battle. Now I watched him play twice against Duke. They got beat. Both times by Duke. I think Duke's just a little bit more athletic than they are. Virginia's more of a half-court offense, pack it in, dump it in. DeAndre Hunter can play with his back to the basket, can turn around face up. Great prospect for the next level. Here's another point guard if you haven't seen play this year, uh, Jarrett Culver, shooting guard from Texas Tech, the Red Raiders. He is is an explosive point guard, can shoot it really well. I think, he, like I said, all these guys are prototypical coming up. One guy you probably haven't heard much of since Indiana is god awful at basketball. That's Romeo Langford. There's no way he's going back to Indiana. He is definitely coming out as a pro, even though they're looking to bring in a pretty good class next year to Indiana. If he does stay in Indiana, someone has done a great recruiting job, or Adidas dropped off them Anyway, <laughs> Romeo Langford, explosive small forward. They haven't listed that he'll probably play guard in the NBA. He has a lot, a lot of talent, and this. I think this draft class moving into the next season is going to really show what what college basketball players could have if they start skipping. You know, if you start jumping out of, you know. Just skipping college altogether, going right to the pros. These guys would probably be the list of guys that goes. But my only concern with that is: is what are the guys that don't make it? What do we do with them? What do we do, indeed? Well, I know pretty soon everybody at your office or your buddies or on ESPN, you guys will start filling out brackets, and you'll take different approaches. You'll. You'll pick teams by your favorite colors. You'll pick them by most fearsome mascot. You'll probably even pick them because, you know, your neighbor down the street who claims to watch a lot of college basketball will tell you, hey, that team's really good. I am going to give you the Meltdown Show Final Four, and I'm pretty excited about it. A lot of thought process went into this. Here is my Final Four. Duke, Tennessee, Virginia, and Gonzaga. Tennessee and Gonzaga will play for the national championship, the rematch of a game earlier this year in which Tennessee won. I am predicting the University of Tennessee to win the national championship. Now, saying that is automatically going to put me in what? That's right. I probably jinxed them. But you know what? It is what it is. That's your Meltdown Show for March 7th. Thanks for listening, and hey, go ahead and watch some sports.